Welcome to Beyond Church tonight. We're just so glad you are here. If you don't know me, my name is Josh. And um, if you are joining us, you're coming in on the back end of a series that we've been doing called Chatterbox. Now, if you're new here to Beyond, I just want to kind of take you through what a series is. Uh, Here at Beyond, we do things uh, in a series, a lot like Game of Thrones, uh, but we don't actually leak messages, but we do upload them on uh, SoundCloud if you want to listen to any of those. But we take an idea and we unpack it over a series of weeks. And in this series, Chatterbox, we've been looking at the idea of communication. It's something that's a part of every one of our lives. Um, when we talk to our boss, when we talk to our employees, when we talk to our friends, our family, communication is a big part of every relationship they're a part of. And the reason why we're talking about communication is this one thing, that our relationships, they rise and they fall on our communication. Chances are you've said some things to uh, a loved one or to a friend, and they weren't things that you would have liked to say to them. In fact, Uh, If you could go back to that event, you would like to erase it and say something completely different because what you said damaged that relationship and in fact hurt it to the point that it wasn't the same. And we don't want that for you. We want you to have the best relationships possible. Uh, Whether you're an unchurched person or a church person, regardless of who you are or what you believe, we want you to have amazing relationships with your friends, with your family and even with God. And so we launched this series, Chatterbox, and we talked about communication. But this series, even though we're looking at communication, it may, uh, it hasn't taken the direction which a lot of us would have expected, because we didn't talk about what to say and what not to say, because you already know what not to say and what to say. Neither did we uh, talk about how to say what to say, but Instead, we talked about the source of our communication. We talked about the heart. And it's our heart that gives life to everything we say. It's our heart that drives our communication. It's the emotions resting within our heart. And so we've been unpacking some of the key emotions that can uh, hurt our relationships with one another. And we've been talking about how we can rule over those emotions, how we can conquer them and, and actually kill them so they don't kill our relationships. In uh, part two, we talked about anger and how to manage our anger and how to uh, get on top of our anger. Last week, in part three, we talked about insecurity and how we can actually be secure in any and every situation. And if you want to listen to either one of those messages, you can jump on our SoundCloud or you can jump on iTunes and search Beyond Church and you can uh, listen to those messages. But tonight, we are jumping into the final part And a lot of people save the best till last, but we've actually done the opposite and we've saved the worst to last um, because we're talking about the worst emotion that lives within us, that lives within me, that lives within you, and it can kill any and every relationship that you are part of if you allow it to grow. And uh, it's within you and it's within me and I want to give you a clue as to what this one thing is. Um, and I want to read you out a few keeps you froms and causes you twos because this emotion, it will keep you from doing a lot of things and it will cause you to do a lot of things in relationships. So just to read you out a few to give you a clue as to what that one thing is. This one thing keeps you from celebrating the success of others. It keeps you from apologizing when you need to apologize. 
This thing keeps you from initiating an apology when you're 5% wrong and the other person is 95% wrong. Uh, It keeps you from admitting to yourself and to others that you've done something wrong. It keeps you from showing weakness. It keeps you from asking help when you need it. It keeps you from being honest to yourself. And it keeps you from learning new things because you want everyone to think you know everything. Not only that, but this one thing, it causes you to uh, lie about your past, causes you to cheat before you allow yourself to lose. It causes you to continue to argue your point even though you know you're wrong. Uh, This one thing, it causes you to feel happy when you see somebody else fail. It causes you to power up when you should be opening up. It causes you to always have to have the final word. And it also causes you to buy new things to impress people who aren't even paying attention to you. And if you haven't clued on to what that one thing is, it's pride. We're talking about pride. And it's in you. And it's in me. And this isn't the pride where you're proud of your kid or you're proud of your business or you're proud of your work or your artwork. This isn't the proud where uh, it inspires people to action, that inspires people to do better, to work harder. This isn't that pride. But this is the pride that C.S. Lewis was talking about when he wrote this. He says, unchastity, which if you don't know what that means, don't bother looking it up because it'll just disappoint you. But unchastity, (laughs) anger, greed drunkenness, and I love this, are mere flea bites in comparison to pride because pride leads to every other vice. And it's in you and it's in me. And it's insidious because it's hard to see in the mirror but we can spot it in people in a second. And pride, to much of our surprise, actually diminishes you. It shrinks you. And it may come to a surprise because we think pride actually makes us bigger. We think uh, pride puffs us up. Even that's the terminology we use. Pride puffs us up. But in effect, pride actually diminishes you. It diminishes your capacity to admit what you need to admit, to apologize when you need to apologize, and to acknowledge what you need to acknowledge. Pride's that voice inside your head that talks to your brain and goes, Brain, I know I did something well, I don't want to admit that I did something wrong, but I I think I did something wrong, but I don't want to apologize for it, and I I really don't want to take responsibility for the wrong thing I did. So, brain, can you go find an excuse? Can you find somebody to blame for the reason why I did this wrong thing so I don't have to apologize, so that I don't have to take responsibility? Because, brain, it doesn't feel good to admit that I was wrong. Not only that, but pride diminishes your capacity to say what needs to be said. Uh, There are people in your lives who who got the promotion, who got that position in that drama that you've been working hard at, got that uh, position at the soccer team that you tried so hard to get in. They got that mark that you worked so hard to get, and yet they got it and you didn't. And you need to celebrate them, you need to thank them, and yet there's something within you that prevents you from saying that, and that's pride. Not only that, but pride uh, diminishes your capacity to hear what needs to be heard, because pride thinks it knows it all. And when people offer advice, for for us, when when pride lives in our heart, it feels like criticism, and we, like, we push away the advice, and the, uh, the words that people say kind of bounce off us, and we miss out on hearing what we need 
to hear. And in effect, we stop learning new things because pride wants to think that, or make others think that it knows everything. Not only that, but pride diminishes your capacity to give when what needs to be given. To the point that you can't give. And when I say you can't, I really mean that. Like, pride is that insidious that it stops you from giving what you need to give. Uh, It's in you, it's in me. And ultimately, pride, it can be said about this, that pride diminishes your capacity to love. Not only to love, but to receive love. Because pride cares about one person, itself. Pride wants to make itself great. It doesn't care about anybody else. And it diminishes your capacity to love because pride is obsessed with itself. And think about this. When you are full of you, there is no room for any, uh, anybody else in the room because you are full of you. That's why David in the Psalms wrote this. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. In other words, what David's pointing out here is pride diminishes your capacity for relationships, not just with others, but also with God. Pride is a prison. It shuts you in while shutting God and others out. And it prevents us from experiencing deep, intimate relationships with one another. And it has the potential to kill any and every relationship that you're a part of. But don't worry, that's why we're doing tonight's message. This isn't a message to make you feel bad about the pride that lives within you, but this is a message that is equipped to help you to conquer your pride and ultimately kill it so it doesn't kill your relationships. And to help you kill your pride, we're going to look at um, a writing from a guy named Paul. Uh, Paul wrote an extensive amount of letters which uh, make up most of the New Testament. And Paul wrote this one letter to this church in Philippi. And uh, it's titled Philippians. And within this letter of Philippians, uh, Paul outlines a lot of things. And within it, he outlines just how they are to live in relationship with one another. And within that, he reveals to them the secret of how they can kill their pride so it doesn't kill their relationships and their community that they have. And he says this in Philippians 2, 3, and it's up on the screen if you want to follow along. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Selfish ambition, he's talking about pride, because pride, again, pride cares about itself. Pride is selfish. And he says, do not Uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition or pride conceit. But he goes on to explain what they need to do instead. And he says, rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. In other words, what Paul's pointing out here is, in order to kill pride, you need to foster humility within your heart. When humility increases, pride decreases. And as long as humility rules in your heart, pride has no place. Because pride values itself, but humility values not itself, but it values others above itself. Pride looks to its own interests, but humility values others. It looks to the interests of others 
over its, the interests of itself. It looks to the needs and the concerns and the desires of others before looking to the needs and concerns and desires of itself. It seeks to make others great rather than seeking to make itself great. And pride is all about itself, but humility, when it increases, it will decrease pride because humility is all about valuing others. Paul gives them this point. If you want to kill pride, you need to grow in humility. You need to value others above yourself and you need to look to the interests of others, not of yourself. And then he goes on to give them an example of what humility looks like. And he says in the next verse, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In other words, here we go, we've got the mindset. So we've got the thought. Paul's pointing out here is that pride impacts your thoughts. It impacts the way you think. And in order to conquer your pride, you need to change the way you think. And you need to adopt the mindset of Christ Jesus. And he goes on to explain what that looks like. He says, who, talking about Jesus, being in the very nature of God, so Jesus was God, and he goes to point out, did not consider equality with God to be used to his own advantage. If you were God, if you held all the power, you would use it for you, right? There are a lot of times where we've, we've made wishes, right? You know, if I had a genie, I would do this. And every wish that we always make, it seems to focus on us, right? If we had all power, chances are we would do a lot of things for us. Sure, we might help others, but we would ultimately help ourselves. We'd be driving that Ferrari, we'd be driving that Lamborghini. In fact, we'd have a mansion and then another mansion and another mansion because we're God, we can do whatever we want, we've got all the power. We snap our fingers and ladies can just flock to us, everything, because we are God, we've got all the power in our hands. And yet, Jesus was God, and yet, He had all this power at his disposal, and yet he didn't use it for his own advantage. See, pride, pride would use it for itself. It may help others, but it would primarily advantage itself. But it says God didn't do that. He goes on, rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus was God, He had all this power at his disposal. And if you're the boss, if you are the most powerful, if you've got the largest sword, if you are the king, you're the person that everyone should serve. You're the person who everyone should bow down to. You're the person who should be uh, being able to throw commands at people and people listen to you because you're the one in authority. And yet Jesus, while he was God, while he was the boss, while he was the king he lowered himself and actually became a servant. And rather than asking for what he needed, he helped others with what they needed. He helped you, he served you, he served me. And he did this by, in the next verse, they go on to say, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself, as their word, by becoming obedient to death, even death, on a cross. God didn't have to die. Jesus didn't have to die, but He did it for you because He looked to your interests. 
He cared about your interests rather than the interests of himself. He valued you over himself because he was humble and pride didn't live in his heart. And he was able to extend love to you and love to me because he was humble. And if you want to conquer your pride, if you want to rule over the pride that lives within you, then you need to take a similar mindset. See, pride, it takes for itself, but humility gives to others. And don't miss this, at the expense of itself. See, pride, it takes what it deserves. Pride says, I deserve that and I need that and I take that. But humility, humility is the opposite. Rather than taking for itself, it gives to others. And don't miss this. It's not humility if it's not at the expense of you. If, if I gave you my credit card and then you shouted everyone at Macca's, free McFlurries, would that be generosity or, or not? See, you've used my money. Are you really generous if you've used my money to shout everyone Macca's? Well, no. It didn't cost you anything. The same with humility. It's only humility when you give at the expense of yourself. Humility ultimately is generous. Humility gives to others at the expense of itself because it wants others to succeed. It values others above itself because it cares for them more than it cares for itself. It looks to their interests rather than itself. And if you want to kill your pride, you need to shift the focus off yourself, off your own interests, off your own wants, and project it towards others. Looking to others' needs, looking to others' values, and being generous, serving them and caring for them. That's why um, one of our core values here at Beyond is generosity. We say that we want to be a community that is generous with their time, with their talents, and with their treasures. Because when we are generous, it enables us to love every single person who steps into our community. Regardless of who they are, we want to be a generous community, a loving community. And in order to be a loving community, a generous community, we need to be generous with our time, the way we spend it, with our talents and our abilities, and also with our treasure. And that's why it's one of our core values here, because we want to be a loving community, extend love to every single person. And if you want to love in your relationships, if you want to love to the extent where you are willing to value them over you, then you also need to be generous. And that's where we jump onto the application of this final part of this series. Uh, here at Beyond, we call our applications for Mondays because we believe there is no point coming here on Sunday if it doesn't impact you or change you for Monday. And this week's for Monday, uh, I want you to be generous with your time and your talents, serving and celebrating others. Be generous with your time and talents. Now, I've missed out treasure because next week uh, on your seat is a flyer to our Be Rich series, and we're going to be talking about how to be generous with your finances so your finances don't rule you, but you rule over your finances, and so pride doesn't live within you. But this week, I want to challenge you to be generous with your time and talents, and I want you to serve and celebrate others. Now, it may be a surprise to you why I've put celebrating there, Pride only celebrates itself. When you succeed, it celebrates. But when someone else succeeds, 
finds it difficult to celebrate them. In particular, it finds it difficult to celebrate when somebody succeeds in an area that you value. When you're a great soccer player and somebody does better than you, that's when pride rears its head. That's when pride really becomes full-blown. When somebody succeeds in an area that you really care about, whether it's an assignment, whether it's uni, whether it's uh, sport or uh, academics, that is where pride is its biggest enemy to you. When somebody succeeds in an area that you value. So this week, I want you to be generous with your time and talents, celebrating and serving others. And what do I mean by that? Well, I've given you a kind of a couple steps of how you can do that. Um, on the serving side of things, I want you to adopt a question into your life because in order to kill pride, you need to make these things a habit. It's not something you do once, but you need to integrate it into every part of your life. But I want you to begin to develop a habit of asking yourself, not how can I serve me, but how can I serve you? How can I serve others? In this situation, how can I serve you? See, pride, pride's all about serving itself and honking its horn, but <laughs> humility says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve you. I'm going to serve you first before I serve me. And so everyone, regardless of whether you're a church person, unchurched person, jumping in for the first time tonight, I want you to ask the question, how can I serve you? Not only that, but if you've been in this community for a while and you're not on a team here at Beyond, um, somewhere within uh, what we do here, I want you at the end of the service to go up in the back to the Connect desk and join a team and jump up, whether it's on the tech team, whether it's on the music side of things, we've got a youth group that happens on a Friday night, but jump on a team and begin to serve because humility serves. And serve like your heavenly Father served. Not only that, I want you to begin a, a, to develop a habit of celebration. And, and to help you to develop that habit, I want you to celebrate someone else's success every day for the next seven days. Every day for the next seven days. Whether it's your friend, whether it's somebody at work, but I want you to celebrate them. If they've done well, you let them know. If they look great, you let them know. If they've got that waist size that you really want, you let them know. If they've got that car that you've got that you want, you let them know. Because you need to celebrate. And you celebrate one person every day for the next seven days. And this is where the rubber hits the road. If you are envious or jealous of somebody, that's where you need to start. And you need to celebrate that person's success. That person who's doing better in that area that you want to do better at. And you need to celebrate them. Because that's how you keep your pride in check. Not only that, but you need to make this a habit. Something you do day in and day out. So I want you to be generous in time and talents. Celebrating and serving others. As um we kind of draw to a close tonight. Um, I just want you to imagine. Imagine a world where everybody looked to the, val- or to the needs of others that valued others over itself. What an amazing world would that would look like. Imagine a community that valued others over itself, that gave to others what they needed before they took for themselves. Imagine living in a family like that. 
where nobody had to ask who's going to do the dishes. You just went up and you did them. Imagine living in a world like that. Chances are, if you, if you told me your story, there would be people in your life who have influenced you, people that you would love to thank, and people that you are so grateful for, for being in your life. And I can guarantee you this, the reason why you're grateful that they were in your life is because they served you, they encouraged you, and they celebrated you when you succeeded. They weren't prideful, they weren't looking to their own interests, but they were concerned about your interests. They were concerned about you. They valued you over themselves. And you're grateful for them. You have the potential to be that person for somebody else if you are humble, if you kill your pride. And I don't know if you've thought about this, but Jesus has extended everyone an invitation to follow him. He modeled unbelievable humility. He valued everybody above himself when he didn't need to. But he looked to our needs rather than the needs of himself. And he's invited you to follow him. And I don't know if it's dawned on you, but an invitation to follow Jesus is an invitation to unfollow pride. Because Jesus says serve. He doesn't say take. He says give give to others. And so, it's one last question for you. Why would you continue to embrace and follow something that has the potential to kill any and every relationship that you are a part of, to kill any chance that you have of experiencing intimacy, rather than following someone who died for you? The decision's yours but I hope that you conquer your pride. Uh, We're going to pray right now. Dear Father, uh, we just thank you that that you love us um, and that you had the humility to die for us, that you placed placed, um, our needs over yours, God, that you valued us over yourself. We just pray that you would enable us to value others over ourselves that you would enable us to look to others' needs before we look to our own. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.